0: Come on, let's give the Lord a big clap offering. Come on, let's clap like we know Jesus is about to step in this place right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, you can remain standing. Remain standing as we get ready to just dive into the Word. I don't know about you, but I love, I love the Word of God. Amen. How many of you know this thing is Factual amen. We could base our life on this thing right here, right? And so we love the word and what an honor it is to be here with you tonight. Love Pastor Don. Don's an OG. He's an OG, right? And so, yeah, we have have a lot in common, especially our heads, right? But no, we love him and, and love Pastor Jacob and Miss Michelle, what they are to us and what they've been to me. And my lovely brides here tonight. Lissette, why don't you wave real quick? She chose well, right? I'm joking. (laughs) We're so blessed to be here. Open up your Bibles if you can to Luke chapter 8, the book of Luke chapter 8, and um, it's going to be in about 30 minutes, the spirit of God's going to rest this place. So we're going to build your faith. That, that, that that's what we have to do We always got to build faith. We're always building faith you step from go from faith to faith and from glory to glory from strength to strength that's what that's what we're supposed to do So Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 40 it says so it was when Jesus returned that the multitudes welcomed him for they were all waiting for him and behold there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue and he fell down at jesus's feet and begged him to come to his house just the fact that the scriptures say he begged him lets us know that he wasn't in covenant with god because faith doesn't beg it receives amen come on somebody right if you're a covenant with child of god what would he, why do you need to beg for something he already promised you For he only had a daughter about 12 years of age. She was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. And now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And Immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, master, the multitudes throng and press you and you say who touched me But Jesus said somebody touched me for I've perceived power going out from me now when the woman saw that she was not hidden she came trembling and falling down before him and she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately and he said to her daughter be of good cheer your faith has made you well go in peace So while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. They ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she rose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. I want to spend the next few minutes talking to you about a subject entitled, The Facts Are Not Final. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the spirit of revelation and give our minds illumination that we would experience transformation. God, I pray you give us a mind to perceive and a heart to receive all that you have. And I ask that after this message, we will never be the same in Jesus name. Come on. And all the people that came out tonight say, amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, give someone a high five and say, you look good tonight. You look good tonight. The one thing that I love about the Bible is that the Bible is full of details. The Bible just doesn't give you stories, but it gives you details. And as you read the Bible, I have learned that the best way to read your Bible is to read it like it was written. When God speaks, he always speaks from what's next into your now. Isaiah 46.10 says, God declares everything from the end to the beginning. So even when you think about the details of scripture, and you see even in Genesis 3 where It's the first mention of Jesus that I will send someone who will crush the head of a serpent. God could say something like that because he knew what was next. He knew that in Luke chapter 2, a baby would be born, fulfilling all of the prophecies of all the prophets. He spoke Genesis 3, already with Luke chapter 2 in his mind. Because God always declares the end from the beginning. When you think about the Bible, even it's an original context, the way it is originally put together in the Hebrew, the first five books of the Bible is called the Torah. The Torah, differently than the way our Bible is, is put together, is that our Bible... When it comes to the first 5 books, starts with Genesis and it ends in Deuteronomy. But a Torah starts from Deuteronomy and finishes with Genesis. Jews who populate only 10% of the world own 40% of it. Why? Because as children they are taught as they read the Torah, to think about the end before the beginning. They don't read the Bible or the Torah the way we do, from Genesis to Deuteronomy. They begin in Deuteronomy, and they work their way back to Genesis. It's why they always have an understanding of what the end looks like. This is why God can speak to you in the now about your next. This is why he can tell you that what you're going through now may be bad, but I'll turn it into the good. It's why he can tell you that you can go through a valley of a shadow of death, but you don't have to fear no evil. It's why he can tell you that maybe now weeping may endure in the night, But tomorrow, joy will come in the morning. How does he have that kind of confidence to talk about something like that? Because it's the way his mind is. He declares everything from the end to the beginning. So there is nothing you will ever go through that God begins that he's not faithful to complete it. That's why the Bible says, He who began a good work, come on somebody, is faithful to complete it in the end. How can God say something like that unless He already knows what the end looks like? So when you study your Bible, I've learned the best way to read it is to read it at the end. So when everybody starts the new year reading their one year Bible from Genesis to Revelation, For the past 20 years, I've read it from Revelations to Genesis. When I read my Bible, I don't read John chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. I will read John chapter 1 from the end and then work my way back to the beginning. Revelation comes when you put on the mind of God. You have a lot more confidence of going through something when you know that the end has already been settled. This is why Paul says we fight the good fight of faith. How can a fight be good unless the outcome is already settled? Am I going too deep so far? So this story in its details, gives us the depiction of how the mind of God works and how God not only sees what was going on, but he also sees it the same way in your life. This is why what you go through may be factual. But it's not final. So God found himself in Christ being pursued by a man named Jairus. Jairus was a leader of the synagogue, the synagogue was the actual place where Judaism was practiced which the people who led it in the Bible were called Pharisees, Sadducees. These were the same people that were out to kill Jesus. Yet the leader found himself in a desperate situation. I love what desperation does. Because desperation will put you in a place that maybe you talked about that you actually need it. So here is Jarius having conversations about Jesus and how schematically they're going to try to trap him. Yet he finds himself in a predicament that none of the people who are scholars of the word can actually help him in his situation. So what he does is that he goes to the one that he knows that he's been hearing about, heals people. And so he falls on his knees. Details. Jews never bow to anything except its deity. So the fact that he even bowed, he was saying, I know you're just not a person, but you are the son of the living God so he bows and he says come to my house for my daughter is dying and Jesus knowing exactly who he was saw what he did submitted to the authority that could heal his daughter Jesus decided I'm going to change course and I'm going to head to your house And so Jarius must have felt comforted that my daughter is dying, but she probably wouldn't end up dead for the simple reason I got the one who's been going around healing folks coming to my house. And so as Jesus changes course and he heads down a path, to a young 12-year-old who's dying. He is stopped. There is a divine interruption that takes place. And that divine interruption that took place was from a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. The fact that she even came out is a miracle in itself because in those days if a woman wasn't able to bear a child she would almost be deemed as second class so because she was hemorrhaging for 12 years she was unable to have a child she was at the bottom of the class walking constantly in shame yet she had heard that this man who heals people was coming by So desperation once again takes place. Because desperation will cause you to do things that you probably wouldn't do. And so she she comes through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment. And the Bible says that she was healed. And so Jesus stops as he was on his way to go heal a 12-year-old girl. But he stops for a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. It's interesting in details that the person he was going to heal was of the next generation, and she was 12 years old. But he stops for a woman who's the now generation that's been bleeding for 12 years. 12 years, the now generation is bleeding. And the next generation at the age of 12 is dying. Come on, can I, can I just paint the picture? Because I'm going to preach the paint off the wall in just a few more minutes. Twelve is a significant number because in biblical numerology, it actually means authority or government, order, or completion. The fact that the woman who represents the now generation had been bleeding for 12 years, and the young girl who's 12 years of age and dying lets me know that their bodies were out of order. And so God, who operates in authority, can take what's out of order and bring it into order. And so God knew this path that Jesus was taking would be interrupted By the now generation who's bleeding on his way to the next generation that's dying. Isn't it amazing how detailed the Bible is that the now generation wasn't dying and the next generation bleeding? It was the fact that the now generation is bleeding and the next generation is dying. It's not by accident that God had to first heal the now generation that's bleeding as he was on his way to heal the 12-year-old girl that is dying. What am I trying to say? We're trying, I'm trying to sit here and tell you that we've been praying, God, rescue the next generation. God, heal the next generation. And God says, I can't heal the next generation until I heal first the now generation. Come on, what is the point? What would be the point that God would heal the next generation, but they got to walk into a house where the now generation is still bleeding? Let me tell you something. What God wants to do is he wants to heal the adults before he actually has to heal the children because that's the order in which God works. We're always sitting there saying, oh, well, you know, God, you need to heal. You need to heal my daughter. And God says, no, I need to heal you. Could it be that the reason why really the next generation is dying is because the now generation is bleeding? Could it be the fact that the reason why this next generation is doing things that absolutely blows the mind of the now generation and we sit there with the audacity to say, I would never do that, But yet, at the end of the day, you're still bleeding from relationships that you had three years ago. You're still broken from the situations that you went through five years ago. You haven't been healed, and therefore, the next generation is still bleeding. Can I tell you something? God wants to heal you, and then he'll go ahead and heal the next generation. Come on, if we want to see a revival of the next generation, we need a revival of the now generation. If we want the next generation to stop dying, then we got to start repenting and say, God, the now generation needs to be healed in Jesus' name. The thing is, is that this now generation was bleeding, unable to multiply. We wonder why we're unable to multiply. We can't multiply in, area, in areas of our lives because we're, we're bleeding. Our relationships are bleeding. Finances are bleeding. Emotions are bleeding. All this stuff is bleeding, and we wonder why we can't multiply. Jesus is walking And the Bible says that this now generation touched the hem of the garment, details. She didn't touch his shoulder, which represents strength. She didn't touch his head, represents wisdom, didn't touch his hands, represents reach. Didn't touch his feet, represents direction, but she touched the hem. In those days, the priests wore a robe. And the robe that they wore would hang from the bottom bells. The reason why is because when they would walk, the bells would cling and make a sound. Because it would remind the priest that you constantly have to be in worship. But the Bible gives no indication that he touched the bells. Also, the priest would wear the pomegranates. The pomegranates represented two things. The authority and forgiveness. Forgiveness because a pomegranate is crimson red, which represents the blood. On the top of a pomegranate is the crown, which represents authority. But the Bible doesn't tell us that she touched the pomegranates. But between the pomegranate that represents the authority and the blood and the Bells that represent the presence of God and worship is a hymn. And the hymn represents the Word. She didn't touch worship, she didn't touch the pomegranate, she touched the Word. Because when you're bleeding, what you need more than worship and what you need more than authority, you need the word. Because the word has been sent to heal your disease in Jesus' name. So, you want to know why the devil wants to keep you out of this? Is because he knows it has the power to stop the bleeding in your life. And if this has the power to stop the bleeding in your life, this also has the power for the next generation to not die anymore. And so he, she touched it. And Jesus said, Someone touched me. And he stops. And his disciples look around and say, Lord, there's all kinds of people touching you. He says, I know. They're touching my shoulders because they want strength. Some touching my, my hair my head they want wisdom some 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 could be touching my feet maybe they want direction but only one has touched the hymn only one was willing to reach for the word it's why when you come to church on Sundays you ought to be leaning in reaching for the word because it's the word that will change your life and he says, I felt power leave me. And all of a sudden, this woman, she's trembling. He says, Is it you, ma'am? And she says, Yes. And he says, Well, go in peace. Your faith, your faith, not mine, your faith, your faith made you well. Could you imagine being Jairus going, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm the one that came to you. And I'm the one that bowed, willing to lose everything that I have because I'm a leader of a synagogue that is opposing your teachings. And I'm the one that convinced you to change course and go to my house to where my daughter's dying. And you mean to tell me you're going to stop for someone else and they get their miracle before I do? How many times have we sat in church and seen people get blessed And you're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, God. I've been the one serving in children's church every weekend. I've been the one as an usher serving all the time. Why is it that they're getting their miracle and I'm not? Have you ever been in a season where you didn't even want to hear a testimony? Come on, am I getting too real? Because maybe you're going through too much that you feel like as if you're being overlooked? Or God, why are you stopping for them? But you haven't stopped for me. It will start to play with you. And then all of a sudden, as Jesus is having this conversation with this woman who for the first time isn't bleeding, here comes this person from the leader's house, and he's running to Jarius. And he says, Jarius, Jarius, your daughter's dead. Tell the teacher to turn around because he doesn't need to come. Could you imagine if you were Jarius? Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. When I came to you, Jesus, put everything on the line because a Jew never bows to a human, which I've identified you as deity, and that's why I fell to my knees. I'm willing to lose it all, even my position, because I know that the people in my synagogues are are, are scheming things against you, but I know you're the one that can actually heal my daughter. And I came to you willing to lose everything, and when I came to you, my daughter was dying. But you were willing to stop for a woman who didn't even get you on this path. If I'd have never came to you, you'd have never met her. And now all of a sudden, because you helped somebody else, my daughter's dead. Come on, don't look at me like you haven't had conversations like that with God. Well, you're like, Lord, what are you taking so long for? I've been praying and praying. God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And at least things are still in motion. And then all of a sudden, something stops. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, God. I've been been faithful. I've been tithing. I've been giving. And then all of a sudden, I come to you. And then I'm asking you for something. And then at the end of the day, you, you don't even come and when you when you did you don't even come on time could imagine how Mary and Martha must have felt well lord we sent out Lazarus has been dead for 4 days and you just decide to show up now it's too late Jesus looked at them and says, don't you know that I am the resurrection? In other words, Jesus was trying to tell them, yeah, the facts, he's dead. But that ain't final. And so this man comes running to Jairus, and he's like, Jairus, Jairus. Your daughter's dead, and you might as well go tell the teacher, oh, yeah, that guy right there, you might as well tell the teacher, he could just go home. And look what Jesus does. Jesus never responds to him. He looks at Jairus, and he says, have faith and only believe. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let let, let me do this for you. I'm the doubter. And the doubter comes running to Jarius. Jarius, Jarius, your daughter's dead. You might as well tell the teacher he can just go ahead and go back home. And the teacher, who is faith, doesn't have a conversation with Mr. Doubter. He looks at Jairus, and he says, only believe and have faith. You want to know why? Because faith never has a conversation with doubt. Never will. So every time you go to Jesus and you're like, oh, Jesus, what are you going to do? I don't know if you're going to do it. Let me just try to help you out here. Faith doesn't have a conversation with doubt. How you get faith to keep on moving is that when faith is speaking, you speak faith right back. Because when faith is spoken, faith gets activated and faith begins to go in motion and complete the work that it started in Jesus' name. If I'm helping you tonight, and so and, and so and, and so, Mister Doubter never had heard a word from Mister Faith because Mister Faith looked at Jarius and says, "Have faith and only believe." And Jarius had to make a choice. Do I still have faith? Or doubt, do I stop because of doubt? And Jarius decided, let's go. Jarius decided, let's go. Some of you tonight have stopped. Stopped on a dream. Stopped on some hopes. Stopped on some some things that, 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 that you feel got the best of you. But I'm here to tell you tonight, the facts, they're not final because Jesus hasn't signed off on those things. And so Jesus starts going. And as Jesus starts going... The Bible says he's headed towards the next generation that's dying at 12 years of age. And the reason why he's going towards the next generation that's dying at 12 years years of age is because the now generation had been healed. Hear me today. And when he gets to the house, Everybody starts confronting him and telling him she's dead. So it started off with one doubter. And then it continues with many more. The interesting thing about it was that the one doubter was over here a distance away from the miracle. But the many doubters were in the same vicinity of the miracle. The devil will always turn up the heat when you are that much closer to a miracle. Boy, I'm going to preach this now. The Bible says Jesus came walking on water. And they thought it was a ghost. And they said, Lord, is that you? And he says, come. The Bible says that while the disciples were in the boat, the wind was contrary. But as soon as Peter stepped out, the devil turned up the temperature. And it says, and the winds became boisterous. I'll give you another proof. You're not going to bow to me? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Oh, okay. I'm going to throw you in the furnace. He throws him in the furnace, and then he tells his guy, go check on them. The guy goes and checks on them. He comes back at a report, and he says, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, can I tell you something? Yeah, they, they, they gone, right? No, no, no. Didn't we put three inside? Because I, 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 I rubbed my eyes a couple of times and, you know, made sure I got that, got, got, got that sleep out. And I counted, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, I counted five times. One, two, three, four. No, 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 no. I think we put three in there. One, two, three, four. No, no, no. I think we put one, two. And Nebuchadnezzar said, they're alive? He said, yes, sir. He says, turn it up seven times hotter. Okay. Turns it up seven times hotter. Nebuchadnezzar goes, Did you do it? Yes, sir. Go check. He goes, Check. He looks in. <gasps> <laughs> Mr. Nebuchadnezzar, I turned it up seven times hotter. And there's still four people in there. What do you want me to do? Go over there and open it up and get them out. He goes and he opens them out. They come out. And the Bible says they don't even have a scent of smoke on them. What am I saying? It's in the details. The consistency of God is... The attack always starts with one, but the closer you get to the miracle, it's always going to be intensified. It will get darker just like the night because the darkest moment of the night is not between six and nine. That's the first hour. The second hour is nine to 12. The third hour is 12 to three. The darkest time of the night is between three and six. Because it's that much closer to when the light comes up. Come on, are you hearing me? So the next time you feel like, dang, it was only one doubter. And now there's like 10. You just sit there and praise God and say, God, I must be that much closer to the miracle and the breakthrough that I'm about to get. And so he gets to the house, and he tells them, where's the girl? Sir, she's in the room. She's dead. He goes, no, 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 she ain't dead. She's asleep. And they ridiculed him. And he goes, all right, well, take me to her. And I'm going to, hey, Peter, James, you guys come with me. Come on. And they're like, no, 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 what about us? He says, oh, no, no, no. I don't invite people into the same room that I'm about to do something that only faith requires. Sometimes you may be left out because you didn't have the faith to be invited in. And you want a front row seat at what God wants to do in your life, and God's saying, listen, I want to bring you in the room, but to enter that room, you got to have faith. And so he goes in the room, and he does something different to the next generation that didn't happen for the healing of the now generation. He just grabbed her hand. And he told her, Arise. He touched her, and then he spoke to her. Different than what he did with the now generation. The now generation had to touch him. And then he would turn around and speak to her. To the next generation, he had to touch her and then speak to her differently than the now generation. The now generation had to touch him. Then he would speak to her differently than he did to the next generation, to the young people. He has to touch them and then speak to them. But to the now generation, he's expecting you to touch him. And then he will talk to you. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that if you're part of the now generation, if you want God to touch your child, then you as the now generation need to touch Jesus. So every time you come to church, you want to lift your hands and say, God, I'm going to touch you. Because as I touch you, you're going to go ahead and touch the next generation. It's what he does. Well, God, I, you don't understand. I, I, want, I want you to touch the next generation. God's like, I'll touch them when you touch me. Because touching me is going to stop your bleeding. Touching them is going to stop them from dying. If we want the next generation To stop dying, it's gonna take this generation to start touching. And as we touch, He touches. As we touch Him, He raises them. If I want my children to be raised, then it requires me to touch Him. It's what it requires. So really quick, let me give you three things before I close. What you do when you're waiting. First is, number one, you need to change your posture. While she was standing, she was bleeding. It wasn't until she started kneeling that she got her healing. While he was standing... He didn't believe. But until he knelt, Jesus decided, I'll go to your house. If you want a miracle, it begins first by changing your posture. Some of you think that you can stand because you're strong, but the truth is, you're really weak. And you got to learn that posture. Is about position. And when you change your posture, you change your position. When you change your position, God changes your condition. But it begins with you changing your posture. So, in other words, you can't expect something new by trying to stand like you used to. You gotta change your posture. The second thing is you gotta change your pursuit. When thinking he needs to come to me, it really needs to be that I go to him. A lot of people are sitting there saying, well, I'm just waiting for the Lord. What are you waiting for? He already gave you a promise. Some of you got a dream to open up a business, and you're like, man, I want to open up a business. What are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of failing. I wouldn't be afraid of failing more than I'd be afraid not to try. Failing is part of success. You got to change your pursuit. Well, I don't need to go to the altar. God can touch me right here. He can. He can touch you in your car but there's a reason why he built an altar. No, the reality is that you don't want to be seen as vulnerable, maybe weak. And so what's really keeping in your seat is pride. You got to change your pursuit. Well, Well, that's just not me. I don't lift my hands. If the cops told you to lift your hands, you lift your hands. You wouldn't sit there and say, Mr. Officer, that's not my personality. <laughs> you got to change your pursuit. Well, I, 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 I don't go to prayer because I, I, I don't know. I, I, I pray my own way. No, you don't come to prayer because you don't pray. Hello. I knew that would get quiet. (laughs) There's something powerful about corporate prayer when you're pursuing the presence of God, not waiting during worship. Why we gotta always have to wait for the worship leader to say, Lift your hands. Why don't we already come in with our hands lifted? Like I don't need you to tell me to lift my hands. I'm going to lift him anyways because I just love Jesus. I just want to pursue his presence. Change your pursuit. If he wasn't willing to change his pursuit, he'd have never got Jesus to come to his house. If he'd have never got Jesus to come to his house, he would have buried his daughter. The third thing is I close you got to change your pattern. you got to change your pattern. The pattern, she was bleeding for 12 years. 12 years. And she went to every physician, the Bible says, details. Every physician to fix the problem. And every time she went to a physician to fix the problem, couldn't do it. Maybe the problem for 12 years was really not the problem. Maybe the problem was the pattern. Look at our lives. Why do you drink? Oh well, because my, my, my parents drank. Why'd your parents drink? Oh, because their parents drank. Why'd your parents' parents drink? Oh, because their parents drank. So maybe alcohol's not a problem. Maybe it's a pattern. Why did you get on drugs? Well, because my my father was a drug addict. Why'd your father get on drugs? Well, because his mother was a drug addict. Why did his mother get on drugs? Well, because his her parents were drug addicts. Well, maybe drugs is not the problem. It's the pattern. Why are you struggling? Well, because I struggled growing up. My parents struggled. Why did your parents struggle? Well, because she would always tell me stories that their parents struggled. Well, what what did their why did their parents struggle? Well, because my grandma would always tell me that Her parents struggled. Maybe the struggle's not a problem. Maybe it's a pattern. Poverty ain't a problem. Poverty's a pattern. Addiction, it's not a problem. It's a pattern. Sin is not a problem until it first becomes a pattern. And if you want to change the problem, you have to change the pattern. Because when you change the pattern, it will automatically change the problem. You don't have to try to fix the problem. You just got to change the pattern. It's like going after cutting fruit off a tree. I'm going to cut the fruit. It's gone. Six months later, just comes right back. Pull out the weeds. Gone. A few months later, come back. Why? In the day, you didn't change the pattern. You just cut off the problem. Facts may be true because they were for me. I was a drug addict. Facts. But I had a praying mother who would tell me it's not final. I'm standing on this platform tonight. Not because I got kicked out of eight schools. Was because I had a praying mama that would tell me it's not final. I was hooked on alcohol. And I'd come home drunk. But I'm here tonight preaching to you. Because my mother would tell me it's not final. I was in and out of prison, 12 to 16 years old. Facts. But every time I'd come home, my mother would look at me and say, how's that preacher doing? So I'm not standing up here because I'm special. I'm not standing up here because I'm different than you. I got facts too. My dad left us ran off. And at 11 years old, I had to become the man of the house. And my mother would tell us all the time, your daddy's coming home. And we'd be like, mom, dad's not coming home. He's going to divorce you. And she would go, no, he's not going to divorce me. And I'd watch my mother every single day grab this Bible, walk around the house, be praying in the Spirit. My husband's coming back home. 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 And one day, we were all happened to be at the house. And here comes my dad with the suitcase. And he comes walking in the house. He begins to weep in front of us, asks God, and asks us to forgive him. And all of a sudden, before my mom passed away, I I saw the greatest eight years of a marriage I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because the facts are not final. I know what it's like to come home broken, messed up with no dreams anymore but I had a mother that would tell me the facts are not final. A principal told my mom, your kid is going to be a menace to society but she looked at her and she says, my son will be a Holy Ghost preacher. Well, I'm here to tell tell you tonight i'm a holy ghost preacher because the facts are not final and I'm here to tell you tonight that your dreams are possible. I'm here to tell you tonight that he has begun a good work in you. is faithful to complete it because the facts are not final. You may have had a death sentence. You may have gone to prison. You may have been on alcohol. You may have been on drugs. But God can turn it around tonight. Because at the end of the day, the facts... They're not final. I feel a breakthrough about to take place right now. I told you the spirit of God's here. I had to build your faith. I had to get it to a level tonight. And there's some of you that God's dealing with right now. That you're like, man, I know who I am. I'm not asking you to fake it. I'm not asking you to deny it. I'm not asking you to act like it didn't happen. I'm asking you to confront the facts and look at them straight in the face and say that part of my life isn't final. I don't accept it. I don't approve of it. that addiction it's a fact but it's not final your marriage oh yeah it's a fact you're struggling but it isn't final that child that's far from God is a fact but it isn't final Disease and that bad report the doctor gave you is a fact but it isn't final and all you have to do is change your posture change your pursuit and change the pattern for you touch his hand For him and say, I'm gonna touch your word and hold on to it, and the bleeding that's been hemorrhaging your marriage, hemorrhaging your career, hemorrhaging your family tonight will stop if we're gonna get Jesus to. You're at tonight, and I don't know who you are, but I know there's people here tonight who, in some parts of your life, you're hemorrhaging. It's out of control. You're trying, you've tried to help yourself, you tried to better yourself, but you just can't get past it. That hurt. You've tried to let go. But you can't. God brought me all the way here as I was praying this afternoon all by myself in my hotel room for you. The Spirit of God is here. The dove of the Holy Spirit's here. It's gentle right now. when God's peace shows up it eradicates the chaos Say, God, I'm not leaving until the bleeding stops. You're not just making a choice for you to be healthy, but if you can touch Him and the bleeding stops, He will raise who's next in Jesus' name. On the counter, three, if that's you, the Spirit of God is here. One. Two, three. Just step out your seats. Come on and make your way up here right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus tonight. We thank you Lord. We thank you Lord tonight. In the name of the Lord tonight. We thank you. We thank you that tonight. are taking God you're putting those relationships the hemorrhaging and the bleeding is stopping the hemorrhaging is stopping cancer's being broken right now the name of Jesus depression is leaving this room right now we're breaking that pattern of depression right now we're breaking it in the name of Jesus of Jesus in the name of Jesus I heard the Lord say I'm breaking the spirit of tragedy in this place he's never spoke that to me ever I just heard him say right now I'm breaking the spirit of tragedy that tragedy has has been too often in your home and the Lord says I'm breaking that spirit it will never be another tragedy again because you've come tonight and touches him and you're saying those facts those facts today today I'm I'm receiving from the Lord tonight in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus there's addictions being broken right now addictions are being broken right now addictions that nobody sees that torments you And you sit there and you say, I don't even know what drives this. He's breaking it right now. He's breaking it. He's breaking it. Some of you, there's couples here. Maybe you came by yourself. Your spouse is lost. You're going through a a tough time right now in your marriage or your relationship. It's hemorrhaging. It's bleeding. The Spirit of God is saying, I'm healing you right now. You've been saying, Lord, touch him. And the Lord says, no, I need to touch you first. He's touching you right now. He's touching you right now. He's healing you right now. Maybe you're here tonight. You've been trying to have a child. And it hasn't been possible here to let you know that he's healing your womb right now come on whoever you are I don't know who it is but whoever you are you want to just put your hand on your stomach right now because he's healing that womb right now you will bear a child you will bear a child in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus the spirit of fear is being broken in this place. It's being broken. Pastor, Roman, I'm, my mom had cancer. My mom's mom had cancer. And the doctor said, I may have a lung. I'm here to let you know that you're breaking that spirit over that, that, that pattern. You're breaking that pattern right now. In the name of Jesus, the healer's in the house right now. Come on, the spirit of the breaker breakthrough. He is the God of Belperism, which means the Lord of the breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, healing and household peace is coming right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for breakthrough. For breakthrough right now. Thank you for your Thank you for your breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for supernatural breakthrough. Thank you that these facts aren't final. They're not final. No, no, they're not final. You've bared a weight, carried a load, and the Lord's lifting them up right now. Yeah, receive your breakthrough. It's happening right now. There it is. There it is. Receive it today. Yeah, receive it. Tonight's your night. Been saying, Lord, you're healing everybody else. What about me? The Lord had me to stop just for you. Want to remind me, he wants to remind you that he's heard you. He's heard you hurt you in the name of Jesus miracles miracles are happening heal that arm lord in the name of Jesus thank you there's just a peace in this place see when you just touch them there's a peace that's all it is thank you thank you for healing of Jesus you are who God says you are don't let anybody else tell you who you're not may the spirit of God fill you with confidence and boldness right now the name of Jesus that spirit of timidity Your head to the soles of your feet. I'm the God that healeth thee right now. I'm the God that touches. I'm the God who invigorates. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you know what they're believing for. I sense you're up here because you're believing for something. Lord I stand in agreement we believe for the doors to be open yes Lord thank you that your steps both your steps will be ordered of the Lord for he's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path and the Lord speaks to you guys some ridiculous things crazy things that seem out of the norm often you even say lord are we even qualified and the lord said i've given you these dreams run with them they belong to you have faith in god and call those things that be not as though they already are with darkness. It's like a cloud tries to come over. And the Lord says, "I'm allow the light to break through. For depression will not be in your household, says the Lord. He's healing anxiety right now. In the name of Jesus, you shall have perfect rest, says the Lord we waking up three, four times in the night. I sense it right now. He's breaking anxiety right now. In the name of Jesus, it's just being broken right now. The spirit of the breaker is breaking anxiety. In the name of Jesus, give you the praise we give you the glory tonight he's a healer I said he's a healer tonight he's healing you right now he's healing your family right now he's healing your children right now he's healing them right now just lift your hands and just touch his hand right now say Lord you're healing us right now I've tried to do it all by myself. I've tried to to do it my own way, but I'm I'm bringing healing right now. And I just heard the Lord say, the time that has been lost, God's about to give it back. That the time that has been lost, I'm going to redeem the time, says the Lord. He's going to give it to you. There's an anointing in this place. Glory to God. I am the God that healed thee. I am the Lord, your healer. You sent your word and you healed my disease. are the Lord my healer come on you know that song sing it you don't know it well then we'll just sing it come on we we got some old school in here I may have skinny jeans but I have an old soul well if you don't know that song hallelujah your hands the spirit of God is here Uh touching you right now. Receive your miracle. He's touching you. Migraine headache. The Lord is touching you right now. We break the spirit of diabetes in this place. We break it in the name of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb that was shed on Calvary shall give you a new blood transfusion in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's in this place. Healings are happening. A lump in the left breast. The Lord says, I'm touching it right now. I'm breaking. I don't know who you are, whoever you are there's been a lump in your left breast and the Lord says, I'm healing you right now. Come on, you ought to just touch it. It's going to be gone right now. It's gone right now. It's gone right now. Healing taking place. There's someone here over the last 90 days There's been suicidal thoughts. These weird thoughts have come. And it's getting dark. The Spirit of God is breaking it right now. In the name of Jesus. I don't want to call you forward because maybe you feel like this is private, but you know who you are. You know who you are. The Lord is breaking it right now. In the name of Jesus. You spirit of death, pass by. I apply the blood over their minds right now. In the name of Jesus. Miracles. When you teach on healing, healings happen. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We give you the glory. I got confidence now. I got confidence now. You may not know this song, but we're going to sing it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Come on, sing it, worship team be thank you for forgiving my sins cleansing me washing me and filling me tonight with the Holy Spirit thank you for spiritual renewal it's changed my life it's changed my path. him. I will never bleed again in Jesus name and all God's people say Amen. God bless you.